by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I'm Pastor Guy, glad you're here today. I think if voting is coming up on uh, November the 5th, we've got some voter guides back there, Christian voter guides, kind of give you an idea of uh, their stance on issues and stuff to help you make up your mind but please go vote um, so that we can keep this a, a beautiful nation one nation under God right uh, somebody was saying over here how to text to give um, in case you don't have a check or whatever we have a text to give option it's 84321 just type in that number as the number you send your text to and put the dollar figure in there and it'll, it'll go we probably need to put that slide up during the not not now, but when we're playing the music there. So people, I know a lot of people don't carry checkbooks these days. But we want to give everybody the opportunity to, to give in faith. Well, if this is your first time visiting with us today, yes! <laughs> we really get excited about that. We believe each one of these purple chairs represents a place where somebody can hear the Word of God, repent of their sins, give their heart to Jesus, and find their purpose in the world. And we just, only to look to our left and right and see that it's happening everywhere around us. People with joy, people who uh, have, have the hope of God just welling up on the inside of us. And that just, the hope is our anchor for our souls, amen? So if this is your first time visiting here today, we're excited about that. Hopefully you've already gotten a, a first-time visitor card. If not, there's some back at the Connect desk back there with Brother Van sitting. And if you'll fill one of those out and turn it in, he'll give you a gift bag to, to just a token of our appreciation and let you know that we're excited that you're here. Um, last Sunday, we uh, preached on getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and four people came forward to give their... Uh, open their hearts up and say, God, I want more of you. And by faith, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, yesterday, our uh, soul food, one of our wings of ministry here at the church, went to uh, youth villages, and eight young men gave their hearts to Jesus there after hearing the gospel message. Preached by Miss Kaylee Allen here, I understand. One of our teenagers, just a soul winner. And you can, if our teenagers can do it, you know you can do it. She's just an inspiration to us all. Um, God has something special today for us. Uh, I believe that he wants to radically change the way you see your existence here on the earth. And I think it's really going to be beneficial to you going forward if you'll turn on that switch of expectation today. The ears and the heart and the eyes all alert to the word of God, the sound of, of the Lord uh, as he speaks through his word to us today. Let's pray. God, Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, you should, it is just such a pleasure to be in this congregation today. I was glad when they said, let us go to your house because I can feel your presence in here just as tangible as if you, oh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just good. It just it lightens my load, Lord. I just cast my cares over on you right now. You might want to do that with me. Just go ahead and say, God, I cast my cares over on you. 
I know that you care for me. And he, he, wants to, he wants to break those yokes off of your life. He wants to carry your burden. He wants you to be free like those songs that we sang. Lord, thank you for the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. Oh, we can be who you called us to be. We don't have to try to be like nobody else. We don't have to match up with what the world says about us. But we can just rejoice in the plan that you have for our lives. All we have to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. So we open up our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us today. Lord, help me be a faithful messenger. Speak the words of God as the very oracles from your throne room. Help me just say what needs to be said and not a lot of me in it, Lord. It's all you. That people may be changed in the presence of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whew, I just feel good today. You know, it's good to celebrate the victories like people getting filled with the Holy Ghost, like people getting baptized. That's good. What happened to the prodigal son's father when the prodigal son came home? The daddy said, hey, kill the fatted calf, let's party. And that's God's attitude when things get changed in people's life. He's excited about what's happening in you. You may say, oh, it's slow going. I don't seem like it's ever going to happen. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. And there's nothing you can do to make it happen faster other than just surrender to it. Just like go under that water. Don't hold back. Don't, you know. Put your feet up against the baptism and say, no, I'm not going under. Just be immersed in the things of God. So many of us today are just holding on. We want one foot in the world and one foot in God. We just want to kind of ride the fence. But you become lukewarm like that. And Jesus said, man, that's not it. <laughs> that is not it. There's so much more. Proverbs 17, 22 says a cheerful heart is like a medicine. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we cultivate a cheerful life, a happy life, a joyful life? Because if we do, it's like a medicine. It's like a balm, a salve. It's like it takes care of all the junk. There was a preacher one time got the idea that he was going to fill a bunch of balloons with helium and pass them out to everybody in the congregation that morning. They all had their little balloons and he got up there and he says, if sometime during this message you just feel grateful to God and you just want to express it, let go of your balloon. And during the services he was reading from the Word of God, people start get fired up. You start seeing balloons just trailing up into the air and sticking at the top of the roof there, you know. And it was a beautiful thing until you, you got down to the end of the service and you realized about a third of the people were still holding their balloons. And I want to tell you today, let go of your balloon. If you're, not, if you're embarrassed to praise the Lord in the house of God, what chance do you have out there at Walmart? What kind of light are you going to be to the world when you, you can't let go of your praise in the house of God? And oh man, I tell you, there's so, there's so many sounds that I love as a pastor. This ain't on my notes, but when I, like when I get here and walk through in the, early in the morning and people are getting here an hour early to fellowship and stuff, and I hear that rumble of voices, kids playing in, this, in the sanctuary and stuff, I love that sound. Then when, like, 
when the music quietens down. I love the sound of the music too, but when they, they quieten it enough to hear the voices all singing beautifully together and lifting up praises. I love that sound. There's nothing more beautiful than being down at the jailhouse and giving an a, a altar call, a chance for the men to come to Jesus and, and hearing grown men say the sinner's prayer, just hearing their voice. There's beautiful sounds all around. If you'll surround yourself with the things of God, you'll begin to value the things of God. You'll begin to have joy, unspeakable, full of glory. And I'm just, I ain't even got to my message yet. I'm on a rabbit trail. All right. Release your balloons, okay? <laughs> just let them go. Let God have his way. Just, just let it rise. Let the praise rise. Philippians 4, 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Where is your joy found? In the Lord. That's where it's at. It's not hidden. Right there on, in black and white for us to see your joy is in the Lord. What does it mean to rejoice? Re means to do it again. Re, do your joy. Stir yourselves up in the joy of the Lord. Rejoice. He says, I say it again because in case you didn't get it the first time. Rejoice in the Lord. In the message paraphrase translation, it says it like this. Celebrate God all day. Every day. I mean revel in him. Say celebrate. You see how they kind of translated the the. The translation a little differently from joy to celebrate how they kind of go hand in hand. See, that's what we're going to talk about today is how to celebrate. Psalms 145 verse 7 says, They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Woo! I would love if, if the, all of DeSoto County, when they heard the name Passion, they would say, ooh, that's that church that celebrates of God's abundant goodness and joyfully sings of his righteousness. Them people let their balloons go. <laughs> Today's message is entitled, Don't Hesitate to Celebrate. Are you ready? All right. If we looked in the Bible, we see that God loves holidays. He's always given us a mark. He's always given us something to look forward to, to celebrate. He designated festivals just for the, the occasion of celebration. Um, we see the celebration of the Passover, the celebration of unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. Even in the New Testament, we, we celebrate baptism, we celebrate communion and such. Festivals commemorate and give us something to celebrate. No, he didn't say festivals commiserate. No, they commemorate. That means they put us in remembrance of something that God has done. And we need that. Some of us live in the past of things we shouldn't have done. But God says if you go look back, look back at the good things and how God brought you through and commemorate those things. And keep building a life. Instead of going back down the staircase. Remember where God brought you from. Commemorate. And these festivals, they keep God's narrative alive. They're ever pointing 
to God's narrative instead of the spin of this world. Aren't you tired of the spin of this world? My goodness. I don't know if I can bear to put on the news one more time. Everybody's got a spin. And it causes this crazy division in our nation. But if you'll commemorate what God has done, celebrate what God has done, feast and festivals and, and joyous times, then you'll just, you'll just keep moving on up. Because all of these things are pointing to Jesus. And in Jesus, through the lens of looking at Jesus, we see the world through a lens of victory. Because when we think back about what the Lord has done, we see that he, he grants us the victory. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all about the, the lens you're looking through. It, didn't it say that Jesus, that for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God? He endured the cross because he was looking for, through the lens of joy. He was saying, it ain't happy right now, and it ain't always going to be happy. But he was saying, on the other side, I know in whom I have believed. And I know he is able to resurrect me. And he's able to res resurrect all who call upon his name. I'm telling you that right now. Jehoshaphat, he was a king of Judah. He was a good king trying to do godly things. And he looked up one day. And all these kings in the world had got together and says, let's go take them out. And they had surrounded Judah. And Jehoshaphat is like, God, I, you know, here we are trying to serve you. This don't make sense, you know. I know you, you brought us into this promised land. You gave us this land. And we could have wiped those guys out on the way in, but, but you said go around them. And we didn't mess with them, and now here they are coming back to get us. This is not right, God. You gave us this land. And he began to plead with God and put God in remembrance of all the things he'd said. But not before he had, you know, called a fast throughout all the land. Not before he had told everybody to pray. Not before he had gotten sackcloth and ashes and, and humbled himself before the Lord. Then he, then he felt confident to go to God and make his plea. And God moved on a prophet there. And, and the man says, thus saith the Lord. He began to tell that God said, I got you, Jehoshaphat. I go before you in battle. I got you. You're right. The things I said, I will perform. You won't even have to fight this battle. Because see, Jehoshaphat's little army was like a grain of sand against these many armies arrayed against them. There was no hope in the natural. Jehoshaphat knew it. He was crying out to his only salvation. That's something we should learn because a lot of times we look around and it seems like everything's stacked up against us. Bills, and bosses, and people arrayed against us from all, all every direction. <laughs> why, do they, why don't they like me? I don't know, but they don't like me either. But Jehoshaphat, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord said, I got you, Jehoshaphat. And so Jehoshaphat got his little army together. He, he said, I want you to go out, Jehoshaphat, but I'm going to fight the battle. You're just going to have to sit and watch. So he got his army together, and on the way out, Jehoshaphat got this idea. He said, you know what? Since God has already gave us the battle, we ought to just make this a party. And he got the praise team and put it in front of the warriors. 
He said, get all the singers and the musicians, and let's just go on and make this a party. Let's go on and celebrate as we watch God bring victory into our lives. And he put the praise team out in front, and they went out there, and it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 22, at the very moment that they began to sing and give praise. Now listen, the moment they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. And if you go on and read the rest of that, you will see that they totally wiped each other out. Your singing and your praise is throwing the devil into confusion in your life. He don't understand it. I got them all set up. I got them outnumbered. I have gone through all this trouble to array these forces against them, and now they're singing praise to Jesus. I thought for sure they would have thrown him off by now. And when you begin to sing, I exalt thee. The devil's like, oh, you don't know what that name does to the, to the devil. They will start killing off each other, them demons. Your victory is in your praise, in your celebration. And God always brings us through. He always does. I, you know how I, I know that? Because you're here today. I've, after all you've been through, you're here today. <laughs> you, you only have to look back at Moses when he delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He ain't gone far when they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his whole army in there to destroy him. All these chariots coming and they got their back up against the Red Sea. They don't have any weapons. And the people started murmuring and complaining against Moses. You brought us out here to die. We should have just stayed in slavery. This is wrong. I can't believe. Moses said, won't y'all just shut up? That's, that's the guy paraphrase. But that's what he said. Well, you just be still and watch what the Lord's going to do. And God told him to stick that staff, hold that staff up over the Red Sea. But not before. I read it again. And they were there all night. Before that happened. And God sent that, that cloud of fire that went, the pillar of fire that went before them out in the, the wilderness. He brought it around back to be their rear guard. And the Egyptians couldn't get through to them. And Moses raised that staff that night. And the wind began to blow and the, and the Red Sea began to pile up on either side. And by morning time, they walked through on the dry ground. Then the Egyptians, they said, well, we'll just go in after them. But see that God had given them a head start. They got out on the other side and they began to sing praises. Said Moses had a, had a new song. I think it is Exodus 20 or something. I'm not going to read it. Just, just so you know. Exodus 15, Moses sang a whole song to God. Miriam, his sister, got the tambourine out. Now, don't y'all get any ideas? All the women started playing the tambourine, started singing to God, and that Red Sea closed up on their enemies. And not a one of them survived. They got on the other side, and they began to celebrate. That's good. But I wonder what would happen if they would begin to celebrate on this side. We can learn from them. 
Same thing happened with Joshua later after the 40 years in the desert because of their murmuring and complaining, because they could never get their celebrations right, because they couldn't get their heart right. They, that generation died off, but their, but their seed, their, their children were grown now. And God, God was going to bring them into the promised land. And they got to the Jordan, and now Joshua was leading. And God told him, I want you to get the Ark of the Covenant he had, uh, where the presence of God was in that gold box. And they, the priests brought that Ark of the Covenant, and they put their ankles in the Jordan River. And that was the time of the year when the Jordan was overflowing its banks, and there wasn't really no easy way across, especially for two million people out in the wilderness. But when they stood in that river, with the presence of God, the Jordan heaped up. And they walked across on dry ground as well. When they got to the other side, Joshua said, I want one guy from each one of the 12 tribes to go back into the Jordan while that ark is still in the, in the Jordan and still the waters are held up. I want you to go find a stone. And they all went and found a stone and they came back to the other side and they built a monument to the Lord. It says in Joshua, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, we will use these stones to build a memorial, to commemorate, right? In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of God, ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among all the people of Israel forever. See, God likes to give us marks. Stones of remembrance, you might say. Marks in your life that you can look back and remember how God saved you. You might need to start writing these things down. <laughs> I know I do because God can save me a thousand times and then somebody said, what has God ever done for you? And then, um, um, <laughs> start writing those things down. I'm telling you, he gives you stones to remember him by. He gives you these festivals, these holy days, and these things. That he gives you a, every Sunday, he gives you a reason to stir yourselves up in the joy and celebrate the Lord so that you can stay on track because our minds tend to wander and begin to get afraid and do all these things and, and take steps backwards. And God is still building you into something. Nehemiah built that wall. We talked about that a lot this year, about how Nehemiah, all the troubles that came against him, all the people that arrayed themselves that did not want to see that wall built. See, you're building a wall in your life. God is building a, a wall of protection around you. It's your faith. It's what you believe. That you're not, it's your shield of faith. It's not letting those fiery darts of the wicked into your life. That's, he's trying to convince you that you're the same old person that you used to be, but you're not. He's trying to convince you you ain't going to get across, but you are. He's trying to convince you that there ain't no way through that, but there is. And so, as soon as they got that wall built in 52 days, with all this tremendous opposition, they just kept their head down, working for the Lord, keeping their eyes on Jesus. And they built the wall. It says in uh, Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43, that many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day. For God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration. 
and the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard from far away. And that's what I, that's what I love about this church, man. I just wonder, can't they hear us over there at Hooters when we begin to shout? You know what I'm saying? We're making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And it's not just us. It's our children back there, our women and children. All of us participate in the celebration. Oh, and your Christian walk is, should be a celebration. Now, we celebrate what God celebrates, not what the world celebrates, mind you. You know, the world celebrates a lot of stuff that we don't want to participate in. But we celebrate God, his purposes, his people, his love. We celebrate our family. We celebrate our marriages. We celebrate our accomplishments. We can celebrate our birthdays. We can find joyful and wholesome reasons to celebrate what God has done in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. Godly holidays. A Christian life should be characterized by joy, smiles, happiness. There should be something that sets us apart. Somebody was talking to me the other day, I think, at the life group Thursday night. And Talking about how you, I think it was Callan was saying how you can, you can tell if somebody is saved. Just talk to them for a moment. You, you won't have to ask them, are they saved? The joy will just be flowing up out of them, right? Laughter and smiles. That should, Philippians 4 says something about, it might be 3 or 4. I think it's 4. might be 3. But it says, Whatsoever things are pure and lovely, if there be any virtue, be any praise, think on these things. And so we, we celebrate things that are pure, be full of life. We celebrate life. There's a culture of death here in America. We don't celebrate that. We fight for life. We fight for the things of God. And we, as people, we literally need to celebrate. It's essential. Didn't I say in Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart does good like a medicine? But what if you don't have a cheerful heart? It goes on to say, a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And some of you may just be like, I don't know if I can get through today. I've lost my way, my hope, my, and the joy of the Lord is supposed to be your strength. And it's a fight. It's a fight for what you believe, what your, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, always be joyful. That sounds easy. <laughs> There's a voice translation of the Bible that says it like this. Instead of always be joyful, it says, celebrate always. There again, the word joy and celebrate, translated from the same Hebrew or Greek word. Celebrate always. What, am I, what are you trying to say, Pastor? Just spit it out. I'm trying to say that we need to, we need to, we need to lighten up. You know God wants you to be joyful in this life. And some of us, 
our Christian walks have become so dry and our strength is so sapped that we think, well, it must be God's rules that's making me like this. Or God's, God's ways ain't the fun. I remember the good old days, and they just want to run back to their old sinful ways. You don't understand. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The joy is in the Lord. That hadn't changed. Maybe it's just you've lost sight of that, and your Christianity has become dry and brittle. You just need to restore. You need to renew. You need to begin to celebrate again. Well, how's just, you know, singing a song or something? How's that going to, you know, that's good for church, but then when I leave here, my problems are still out there. God is your answer, I'm telling you. The world is not your answer. There's nothing for you back there. Misery. It wasn't really the good old days. You just got selective memory. <laughs> Isn't that true? I can remember a few good old days, but I remember a whole lot of bad days in between. Wise men travel far to get to the celebration. They look to the star so that they can celebrate Jesus. They go on a journey to find a reason to celebrate. The shepherds come. The angels in heaven rejoice with you. I'm telling you, it's not just, it's not just, a natural thing that happens. It's a spiritual thing when you begin to celebrate Jesus. It works on you on every level, in the natural, in your emotional. It will begin to change the atmosphere around you. People will begin to treat you differently when you're a person of, that celebrates God. Things begin to change. Like Brother Tom said, it's impossible to please God without faith. Just have faith. Trust God. And sometimes you got to celebrate by faith, right? It's like, oh my goodness, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm on the brink. I'm overwhelmed. I'm barely getting by. I have allowed this world to sit on me like a heavy blanket. And my knees are about to buckle. You know what you need? need someone to lean on. And that's what God gives us in the church. That's why our life groups are so important. Seriously. Those of you who, who are not attending a life group and you're just coming on Sundays, that's not enough. Those life groups God gave us so that we can develop relationships so that people can hold our arms up when we get weary of praising. When life gets heavy, you have somebody to, to you remember Moses, right? He, uh, they got into a battle, and he had Joshua leading the armies, and they were fighting, I think, the Amalekites, and there was a big battle going on, and Mo Moses says, I'm going to go to the top of the hill and lift up the staff to God, and he did, and he lifted up the staff of God, and as long as he had his arms raised, the Israelites were winning, but when he would grow weary, and believe me, you ever held your arms up for a he would grow weary, and as his arms would come down, the Amalekites would begin to win the battle. And they began to notice that. And Aaron and his brother and her were with him. 
And so they sat Moses down on a rock and they said, Moses, you sit right here. We're going to hold your arm up. We're going to hold your arms up. And they began to hold Moses' arms up so that they could win the battle. And that's what you find in this thing that God has built called the church. All these people saying, I love God, but I don't love the church. They're going to grow weary and there's going to be no one there to pick them up. They're going to grow weary and there's going to be no one there to hold their arms up. No one to remind them to celebrate. <laughs> I guess that's why so many people today turn to social media to get their endorphins moving. <laughs> get a swipe of, what do you call it, what I call it? Dopamine. Social media, you know, maybe, maybe I can get some likes on there. Maybe you're looking for something to make you feel okay about yourself. But Ephesians 1.6 says you're already accepted in the beloved. You're already accepted in God. And you've just lost sight of that. You're trying to find your acceptance in all other things. And I'm going to tell you, my friends, your life is not found in here. It just ain't. That's a virtual world in there. It's not a real. Your life is not found in any device. We got grown men playing video games with all their spare time. I don't mean to pick on you, but your joy is not in a joystick. Your joy is in a relationship with other people. You need to become a Barnabas. In the book of Acts, there was a man named Barnabas. That really wasn't his real name, but they called, that was his nickname. They called him Barnabas, which meant um, son of encouragement. Because he was went around encouraging others. He was so on fire for Jesus, his, his, he, his light was shining so bright that, man, he just made everybody want to be around him. And he was a real deal Christian. He served the Lord with all his heart. Paul took him on missionary journeys. And what if, what if us men folks, instead of being loners, lone wolves, thinking, you know, we're raised to just do it yourself. You don't need nobody. I know it's easier to do a lot of things yourself, but what if you brought a young man along with you and encouraged him and taught? Well, what if we taught this? What if we discipled some people? What if we begin to raise up a generation instead of everybody going their own separate ways? Are you really happy being by yourself like that? Don't you remember when you were young and you had friends that you hung out with, but you don't have them anymore because you got all these responsibilities and everything has changed and now you've, you've drawn into your little shell and you got the way, your way of doing things. And nobody's getting me out of here. This is, this is my chair, my remote, my phone. These are my friends. Are they really? Are they going to be at your funeral? Some, sometimes I see Christians, I wonder if they're going to play that song at their funeral. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Because that's the way they live their life. <laughs> Some people see the glass half empty. And some people 
Yada, yada, yada. There's two million people die each year from dehydration. Won't you just drink whatever you got in that glass and be happy? Stop complaining. And if your glass is low, why don't you get it refilled by a little celebration? Stir up a little joy and get some, some more of the, the filling of the Holy Ghost. And so your glass won't be half anything. It'll be full and running over with the presence of God. <laughs> what you drink of is what you'll stink of. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Y'all be avoiding Pastor Chad. No, no, I'm just kidding. That wouldn't happen. Now, what you drink of, you'll stink of. Your focus is what's critical. What's got your attention? Where are your eyes focused? Jesus showed us the way. For the joy set before him, he endured. Sometimes you got to get a crazy praise on, right? Sometimes you just got to praise when it don't make sense to praise. Like it's a sacrifice of praise. You just got to begin to shout. But some of you say, but my life hadn't turned out the way I You know, I was saved as a kid, but I had all these plans, and God told me I was going to be an astronaut, and I never was. And I, and I went down this road, and it took me the wrong way, and all these things happened. And I think about... King David, before he came king, how he had been anointed as a boy to be king, and how he had killed Goliath and got a good start, and he thought, surely I'm fixing to be king, but there was another king sitting on the throne at the time, and he went on being king, and that king started trying to kill David because he was jealous of David, and David found himself out in the wilderness, just running, 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 man, this isn't the life I... This isn't the life I signed up for, running. I'm supposed to be king. Now the king's trying to kill me. He's got this band of misfits that he's leading. I thought I was going to have a, a nation, but I got all these misfits. Nothing's turning out. And he goes out, tries to do good, and he comes back one day with his men, and they come back to where they had had camp set up, and somebody had stole all their stuff and taking their women and children hostage and, and left town. And even his misfits was ready to kill him at that point. David, it just ain't worth following you, buddy. You done, you done got us in trouble. You, we done lost our wives and children, and they was thinking of stoning David. How many of you were ready to give up? God promised me this, but man, my life hadn't turned out nowhere near like that. It says, David stirred himself up in the Lord. I don't know how many times you've stirred yourself up in the Lord, only to have to do it again, only to have to do it again. But I know that this time that David stirred himself up in the Lord, the Lord said, go get your stuff back. And he went, and they got all their stuff back and all the stuff that these people had. They won the victory and got all their women and children back. And it wasn't but three days later, David became king of Judah. What if he'd have quit that close, three days from becoming king? What if he wouldn't have stirred himself up in the Lord? Maybe if everything you've been through, what if it's just a test? What if it's a building of your character to prepare you for the place that God is trying to get you to? 
You know you wouldn't have been able to stay at the place where God has promised you with the character you had 20 years ago. We all want it to happen right away. I'm anointed. I want it now. But life is this big, giant test. This big series of learning humility. The only way we're going to speed things up is the joy of the Lord. Allow Him Allow him to work in us quicker. Not run from him. Not get discouraged and quit. Some people, every time something bad happens, they're fired up for Jesus when they get saved. But then the first thing happens, they miss it or something. They gone. Remember we talked about that last couple of weeks. And people get saved for the first time in here. They get a job and then the next week you don't see them. I'm glad we get y'all a lot of jobs, but I wish y'all would come back and grow in the things of the Lord. <laughs> David stirred himself up in the Lord. Some of you think, well, I done sinned too bad. It ain't going to do me no good to stir myself up in the Lord. The Lord don't want me. Do you know David, after he became king, had an adulterous affair with a woman? And then had her husband killed. And David wasn't even going to repent until the prophet Nathan come and told him this long story about how wrong he, this man had been. And David said, that man should be killed. And he said, you the man. And David said, you're right. <laughs> I didn't think about it like that. But David repented. And then the child that was born to David by this woman got sick. David knew the child was going to die, but he repented, and he broke down in sackcloth and ashes and fasted and wouldn't eat, and his, his servants was coming, King David. I mean, David had been king for a long time by this point. He was revered by the whole nation now. They were like, King David, come on, get you something to eat. And he wouldn't have anything, and he, they, they learned they better leave King David alone. And then that child died, and them servants was over there whispering, what are we going to do now? We can't take, if David's acting like this while the child's alive, what are, what are we going to do with it now that the child is dead? And David kind of heard him. He said, is the child dead? Yes, sir. David got up. He went and took a shower. He went and put some perfume on. Got all dressed up. Went and worshiped the Lord and then went and got him something to eat. And some of his advisors said, David, we don't understand while the, while the child was sick, you wouldn't need anything. But now that the child's dead, you get up, you eat, you go back to life as normal. And David said, well, I thought while the child was alive, the Lord might see my repentance and let the child live. But now that the child is dead, I can't go to where he's at. He can't come. to. I'll go one day, but I got to go on and live. I got to go on and finish my course. I got to run my race. And, and David's known as a man after God's own heart, although the things that he did wrong. I know you, some of us have done, I got to put myself in that. I know some of us have done terrible things in our life. And we feel like we're not worthy and we have ruined our calling. We may have ruined the specifics of, 
of what we thought we were going to be when we were a kid. But the plan of God is without repentance. God is not going to take away your call. He still wants to use you in a mighty way. Trust me. God has a big plan for your life. But you've got to get back up off that ground. You've got to take a shower, man. <laughs> Anoint your head with perfume. Remind yourself. How God has anointed you and called you from the womb. Set, you on, set your feet on a solid ground. Get your feet back up. Get you something to eat. Begin to celebrate that God's not through with you. Some of you say, well, I'm shy. I just don't know about all that praise and stuff. Makes me look undignified. Well, that's the problem. You're thinking too much about what you look like. You got your eyes on you, not on the Lord. David danced before the ark. When he brought the ark of God back into Jerusalem, he danced himself halfway naked. He danced himself out of his kingly robes. It wasn't about him. His wife, Michael, looked down from the window, and she said, oh, he's just embarrassing the kingdom. I cannot believe a king would act like he's just dancing like a regular old pagan. And David said, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I ain't even got my moves going yet. When I think about how God exalted me over your daddy's house, all that God has done for me, I, you ain't seen nothing yet. I ain't just begun to dance. You see, you're thinking too strong about yourself. Too much self in the equation if you can't worship the Lord. If you're embarrassed to lift your hands or sing along, even at church, See, self will implode. Self is never happy. Self is always, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Self ain't going to make you happy. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get your eyes off of self onto Jesus. Begin to learn to celebrate. I better wrap this thing up. You know, Jesus began his ministry at a wedding. And even though he went through what he went through, his hands and his feet were pierced. He had a crown of thorns on his head and the people were mocking him. He felt like he was in the, being run over by the bulls of Bashan in the dust of death. The wrath of God was poured out on him. The sins of all of us was laid on him. Everything was against him. He got up. He still got up. He got up in victory because he knew who his God was. And he ended his ministry in celebration. Because he was humbled himself to death. He went to the lowest parts of the earth. God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every tongue shall confess that he's Lord of lords, King of kings. Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed the principalities and the powers, the demons and, and the devil, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. Say triumphing. That's another word for celebrating. <laughs> he celebrated over the devil. He won the keys to death, hell, and the grave. 
He was, he was saying, I have come to destroy the works of the enemy, and now I have succeeded. And he was celebrating the victory. And that's the victory that we celebrate. Life over death. Eternal life for those who believe. Well, Pastor, you're just saying we're supposed to be happy all the time? No. There's a time to cry. There's a time to live and a time to die. There's different seasons in your life. Jesus, when he went to his buddy Lazarus's tomb, and all the mourners were there, said he's been dead four days. Mary and Martha, and they were crying because Lazarus was dead. Even though Jesus knew what he was about to do, he wept with them. He cried with them. It's just the same as holding their arms up in the middle of the battle. But guess what? After he raised Lazarus from the dead a couple weeks later, they had a, a resurrection dinner party for Lazarus. Guess who was sitting at the table? Jesus. Celebrate. Jesus will be with you when it's time to cry, but he don't leave you in that valley. You just keep walking through with him, and there's going to be that dinner party waiting on us. He's going to be there too. He's in the fire with you now, but he's going to be on the mountaintop with you then. He's there through the thick and the thin. Amen? Man, I'm rhyming good. <laughs> I didn't even know that was going to rhyme. He celebrates your resurrection too, buddy. He's more happy for you than you are. Could I get the praise team to go ahead and be making your way up here. While the praise team is coming up, I want to ask you a question. Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Just the same as, as these six had this morning who could say, I have surrendered my heart to Jesus. And they could say, I'm ready to go under, die to my old way of life, and come up resurrected. Jesus said, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. See, it's a spiritual thing that must happen in the life of a person. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Born again means you're spiritually reborn. You're dead in your sins and trespasses until you let Jesus' spirit come and give you life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I want to fill you with my life so that you can be alive and you can know that you have a home in heaven. Going to church ain't enough. You got to make that confession with your mouth. You got to believe it in your heart. If you've done that, God will do what he says he'll do. for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.